several thought questions as we interact with scripture this morning. How would you talk to a Muslim who started a conversation with you or you started a conversation with them while in the line at Walmart? How would you interact with a Muslim who started a conversation with you or maybe you started one with them while waiting in line at Walmart? Another one, you're talking to your science or biology teacher after class. The discussion involves evolution and creation because of what was discussed in class. What questions would you ask of your teacher? Assuming they're coming from the angle of evolution. You're talking to a sick person who is blaming God for their illness. Plus, they have prayed and God has not healed. How would you respond to them? Every rational human possesses a worldview, a perspective on how they look at life, how they think about life, and they tend to behave consistently with their worldview. A person's worldview includes foundational beliefs that ultimately must be aligned with the gospel and the truth of Scripture if they're to come to faith in Christ. When a person chooses to trust Christ as Savior through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, there's simultaneously a change in how they look at life. Their worldview changes. They abandon hope in where they had been. And I would call that repentance. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 2. Just briefly look at several examples of someone who came to Christ in the life of Christ. Someone who came to Christ during Christ's earthly ministry here on earth. (coughs) And in Mark chapter 2 and verse 13. Mark 2 and verse 13. Mark 2 and verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Leaving the tax collecting issue behind, following Christ. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Levi, and again, we're not expanding on this this morning, there was a change in his life. He got up from his tax collector's booth and followed Christ. Go over to Luke chapter 19. Again, Jesus in his ministry, he comes across Zacchaeus. Luke 19 and verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. 
A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Zacchaeus' worldview, if you please, the way he looked at life, there was a change because of Christ. Today salvation has come to this house. Lord, I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. There was, if you want to call it a repentance, that took place. A shift in how he lived. In Matthew chapter 19, we find the account of the rich man. And we see here the account of a man who was confronted with the person of Jesus Christ. As he asked Jesus a question. And Jesus responds. But the rich man's worldview, if you please, there was not repentance in his life. Matthew 19 and verse 16. Now a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commands. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept. The young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Here's a man who was not willing to repent his wealth. As we relate to unbelievers, we communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. We talk about God. We talk about humans in general. We talk about sin. We talk about death. We talk about Christ. We talk about the cross. We talk about repentance and faith and eternal life. And as we talk to people, they have different perspectives on life which will influence the way they respond as we share the gospel. And I think it is wise as you look at the book of Acts, as you look at how Christ responded to people, to think about where people are in their severe of influence. And a drawing, you should have received a sheet also, I think it's a yellow sheet. As we think about relating to unbelievers, 
where they are in life. There are certain things about believers, there's common things about humans. You know, we have human commonalities. Certain things are true of all humans. But then we develop behavior patterns. We all have behavioral patterns. I have some patterns. I like to get up in the morning. I like to spend time meditating in the morning. I like to spend time reading scripture in the morning. I like to jog in the morning. And then I eat my breakfast. You know, that's a pattern. Ruth Ann gets up in the morning and she tries to hold her eye eyes open, you know, and she stumbles around for the next 15 minutes, you know. I jump out of bed bushy-tailed and ready to go. You know, we develop patterns according to who we are and how we live. That's true of unbelievers. Unbelievers make personal choices. We as believers make personal choices. It's part of life. Those choices, to some extent, spring from our values. And at the very core, our beliefs. Humans develop beliefs. We as believers have beliefs. From our beliefs springs values. From our values, we make choices. There are influences, patterns, and so on. And as we relate to unbelievers, our primary concern is not merely their behavior. Their choices... We want the Spirit of God to be convicting to the point that their beliefs are being influenced and they shift from trusting in self, trusting in human effort, to faith in Christ. Listen as I read from Proverbs chapter 4. Just listen as I read from Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. From the heart, the inner being, the core beliefs spring the rest of life. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus is speaking. And as he is speaking, he shares a parable. He says, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of the belly. In saying this, Jesus declared all food clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. The core of a human, which involves beliefs and thinking and so on, from that core comes actions. And as unbelievers are being shared with, as the gospel is communicated, we're concerned about 
the core, the Spirit of God convicting to the core that beliefs and thinking is seen. In Romans chapter 1, 2 and 3, we find that Paul is addressing the believers in Rome. And in addressing the believers in Rome, he says in verse 18, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The heart, the inner person, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. The core, the heart, the beliefs of unbelievers is what the Spirit of God wants to convict. You can transform behavior for a period of time, but if the heart is not changed, it's kind of in vain. Zacchaeus had a heart change. The rich man did not have a heart change because he still put his confidence in his wealth. Levi had a heart change. Left his tax back tax collector's booth, and followed Christ. So as you relate to unbelievers, as you and I interact with unbelievers in whatever severe of influence it may be, in whatever level, it'd be our desire to seek to have some conversations with them. And I know many of you already have conversations with unbelievers in your severe of influence. You may talk about personal pain or crisis with an intent to talk about Christ. You may talk about their sources of joy and personal significance. But let that be taken away. And that may undermine their world. You may talk about religious expressions or symbols. You may talk about statements of beliefs, values, choices. You may talk about their observed behavior. You're just trying to relate to them. You're building a relationship with them. Then you can also bring up the issue of some questions. You know, what do they believe? What do they think? And you can ask questions as trust is built, a relationship is being built. You work with someone, you go to school with someone, you have someone as a teacher, you have another student. Probably already have a trusting relationship. And you interact with them, you don't want to be judgmental and argumentative, you want to use scripture, let the scripture speak. 
back off if it's, you know, an issue that is really, really sensitive. But still, relating. Some questions you might use. Ever think about how the world get here? <coughs> relating to a non-believer. How'd the world get here? Oh, there was this big bang. Oh, there was a big bang. Well, if the big bang happened, then, you know, what do you do with a follow-up? How did the world get into such a mess? How did the world get into such a mess? You say, the world's not in a mess. Well, the average person would think it is. You might say, how did the county get in such a mess? I was talking with a non-believer about a month ago, and we were talking about some things, and uh, something came up concerning our county. And I said to him, well, how did we get in such a mess in our county that... You know, at that time, it was 30 people, you know, have been, you know, accused of some wrongdoing. Open the door to talk about humans, sin, death, and Christ. What do you think happens when a person dies? No, that's trying to get them to think. Ever read the Bible? What do you think about it? Ah, it's just a good story. Okay, you can pursue that and go beyond that. Can some, I'm sorry, conversation, discussion, just discussing core beliefs. About a month ago, I'd mentioned I was talking to a guy and the issue of our county came up. And I asked him, I said, how did our county get in such a mess? And he mentioned a number of things. And I said, do you think it's possible that the issue of sin enters in? And that we're dealing with people on the county level that are sinful at the very core of their being. And it didn't take him too long to respond. And then I said, do you think you and I have that same potential for sin? And then I, because of who it was and, the, you know, we have a good relationship, I brought up the issue of Christ. I said, you know, for county officials, unless Christ comes into the picture... For you, unless Christ comes into the picture. For me, unless Christ comes into the picture. We remain dead in our sense. Just taking things in ordinary daily life. And building upon that. Asking questions leading to discussions. And there are many, many issues in our world today that you can talk to unbelievers, get to core beliefs, and challenge their core beliefs with questions, with scripture discussing Christ. I don't remember all the particulars. So in one of the Western states, I think there was a 15 year old, I think he was a Muslim, and 
tried to catch something on fire and then there was some response to that. Made the national news a week or two ago. Open door and relating to non-believer. You're going to go in the store and someone will say to you as you exit, happy holidays. You say, Merry Christmas. Or it depends who it is, you might say, why do you say happy holidays? Not being critical, just, no, taking an open door and maybe walking through it. Got a question. What are some of the core beliefs of people in our area? As we relate the gospel, we want to share Jesus Christ with people in our area. What are some of the core beliefs? What are some of the core items in how people think? So that we can point them to Christ. One of them is, and if you read the newspaper, I think it comes through quite loud and clear. How can our county leaders be so evil? How can our county leaders be so evil? People wonder, you know, how can leaders in public positions do what they do? That's a belief that says humans are not sinful. If you're talking to someone and the issue of, you know, our county leaders being evil, a question might follow, what does this show about humans? What does this show about humans? Another belief in our county, religious leaders. In our area, religious leaders are very poor examples. Religious leaders are very poor examples. If you listen to unbelievers, they'll shoot at religious leaders for a number of reasons. One of them being because those in positions of authority or leadership in churches, and I'm speaking churches broadly, what we may call doctrinally sound churches and those that may be not so doctrinally sound, have been involved in sexual things that are incorrect. So I'm talking to a non-believer and he knows I'm a pastor. And he says, I don't have much confidence in the church. And he's speaking broadly of the church. And I say, why? Because of guys like you. What do you mean like me? Well, you're a religious leader and guys like you are involved in sexual things that you shouldn't be involved in. Now there's a wide open door. Yes, there are some leaders and teachers in religion, and I use that very broadly, that have been very poor examples. And they need to be disciplined in a godly way, in a biblical way. And maybe they weren't confronted when they should have been. Have you thought about the fact that religion is not religion. We talk about religion, and I'm not out promoting religion. 
I'm talking about Jesus Christ. And then go from there. But a belief in our areas is religious, leader, religious leaders are very poor examples. That's a core belief. But opens doors of opportunity to discuss Christ. Protect your family, friends. That is, don't confront them when they sin. That's a belief in our area. Someone sins, let them go, don't confront them. You say, that's really a belief? A question you might ask, is this why our county is in a mess? How many people, how many family members knew of what some county official was doing and no one talked to them? Because we protect. Is it loving to let someone continue in wrongdoing? That would be a question to ask. Now, that's not, that belief is not limited to our area, but I think it's present in our area. To be very honest, I have been shot at a number of times because I said, would you consider talking to someone about their sin? Oh, we don't do that. Core belief. Another core belief in our area is that the church is a building. The church is a building. You drive by our church, we have a sign out there, and I'm not knocking the sign in any way, please. <laughs> Roaring Brook Baptist Church. You can go uptown and all over town you will see churches. And I'm not knocking the signs or anything else. But we developed the mindset that the church is a building and we go to church. No. We go to be with the gathered body of Christ. Now that belief, that thinking, has a tremendous impact in relating to unbelievers. Because if I came to church this morning... And after church, I go home. Now I'm free to do what I want because I'm not in church. So I can live the way I want during the week. But when I go to church, I'm just proper. Very, very prevalent in our area. That's why you can have a religious leader commit sin outside of church and go to church and be okay because of the belief system. Because I'm not in church. I'm on my own now. And that opens a door to talk to people about Christ. Oh, you went to church yesterday. You did? Yeah. Well, where'd you go? Well, I, I went over here to this building. Well, who was in the building? Well, people. Well, who were those people? Other people who came to church. What is the church? Well, it's where we meet. All oh, the churches where you meet. What does Jesus say about the church? 
I don't know. Why did Jesus come? Well, I'm not sure. Must be something to do with the church. You ever consider that the church is people, not a building? And that Christ came for people, not for a building. Leading into just talking about Christ. As we relate to unbelievers, belief systems develop. The Spirit of God must convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But as we relate to them, we shouldn't be afraid to address core beliefs. Trusting that the Spirit of God, as Christ is shared, will convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Consider where people are. Jesus related differently to the rich man than he did to Nicodemus. The apostles related differently on the day of Pentecost than Paul did on Mars Hill because of core beliefs. But the message remained the same. Dealing with sin, dealing with death, dealing with the cross, dealing with Christ, dealing with repentance and faith and eternal life. So think about people in your sphere of influence that you want to reach. And as we sing together a number of songs, think about the fact that people do need the Lord. And we should be sharing Christ with them. Travis?